Welcome back, Hunters. Thanks so much for joining me again. It's great to see you guys. I see you guys have leveled up. I see you over there with your dark crystal and you over there with your great cape of disappearing. You guys have been doing a great job and the year's coming to a close. And right now we're all just trying to get that last bit of, you know, XP before next year so that we can be right where we want to be. Yo, today's episode, you know, I was so amped like writing this, The Mandalorian. Okay, so first, we all know Disney is an evil empire and that we should never trust them with anything like our money. But we always do anyway, right? So The Mandalorian is, you know, Disney's newest effort to like keep the Star Wars money train a rolling. And, you know, I really didn't have high hopes for it. I was like, Disney doesn't know what it's doing. It, it hasn't been great at telling great stories. If you've ever seen the Pirates of the Caribbean series, the people they employ to write and direct their productions, it, you know, somehow in the last waning years, it's it's fallen way, way short. But The Mandalorian does not disappoint. So, you know, they have this free trial, of course, like most subscription subscription services. So I signed up for the free trial. Um, and the first two episodes, they were they came out in the same week, but the rest of the episodes are going to come out every week. And we're going to talk about this more when we get into the whole like bandwagon, live streaming bandwagon section of this <laughs> conversation. But I really think, I mean, I like it, but then I also hate it, right? I mean, for me personally, I'm like, at least do the first five episodes and then do it, you know, you know, one every week. Uh, but they're not. They're going to release one every week, uh, every Friday. And so, you know, you have to wait. But we have the first two episodes. So we're going to just dissect them a little bit. So the very first episode is great. And you know what? Me saying it's great really means something. I am a very critical person. I don't know if you guys have noticed from listening to uh, uh, the podcast, but I was just, I was so impressed. Like literally my job was on the floor, right? I'm not saying that the, uh, the Last Jedi or anything like that wasn't good. Like they were good movies in and of themselves. I mean, with the story that we're working with it, uh, you know, the midichlorians thing, which we're still kind of like blue. And then who the hell is Ray? Where she come from? She's obviously, you know, not Luke's daughter because, you know, I mean, also her weird connection with Kylo Ren. You know, they just introduce things that you're just like, stop giving me more questions. It's supposed to be coming to an end. Stop making more questions and less answers. But the Mandalorian is cinematically or, you know, film wise, it's very, very good. And one of the reasons I think it's great is because when you're telling a story, it's always show me, don't tell me. And that is literally the front focus of the Mandalorian because literally in the first episode I think maybe in the entirety of like the 32 minute episode or something like that maybe like maybe it's like 40 or 42 minutes but in that entire episode I think maybe there's 10 minutes of actual talking and I know you're thinking oh how can you have a story without people talking it's very easy because this is a visual medium right and so the thing about the Mandalorian is you have him you have the main character which we're all assuming is Boba Fett right who is the son and or clone of Jango Fett who is from the original series um, of Star Wars movies but we're not actually sure we just know he's a Mandalorian we and like I think they call him Fett in it but you don't actually know who he is we do know this is after the fall of the empire um and everything like that but we're not exactly sure who this Mandalorian is we just know he's a Mandalorian and he's you know the strong silent type the very first scene spoilers guys also spoilers sorry I should have said that in the beginning spoiler alert I am going to be talking about key points in the first two episodes of the Mandalorian so if you haven't seen it please stop listening to this podcast or if you have seen it uh 
and you want to talk about it, you can send me emails at xbhentedly at gmail.com. And still, if you haven't seen it again, you should go and find someone you know who has signed up for the free trial or is willing to pay Disney actual money to continue to watch a series like me because I'm a fool. Get their password and watch it. So, spoiler alert, end. So, in the first episode, the very first scene is, you know, some guys in a bar, they're beating up this blue dude who looks like a fish creature thing. Mind you, also, that's another key reason why this show is so good, because instead of trying to rely on CG graphics, they use practical props, right? So, they have uh, the they have actual actors, you know, living people with blood and fingers and stuff, and they use prosthetics on their faces and probably masks and stuff like that to make them physically be those characters and that in prop aesthetics has really come a long long way right because you know they had prop aesthetics in the first three films and they were like okay I mean they've uh they've aged pretty well but like the the practical um effects they're using in the Mandalorian are amazing so he's getting beat up by these guys he's like oh take these credits they're like no we don't want the credits we're gonna kill you blah and in walks the Mandalorian and you know he just goes to the bar and for whatever reason, one of the bad guys drinks gets knocked over. And of course, he's antagonizing the Mandalorian because he's an idiot. And this is a movie. I mean, this is a TV show. And the Mandalorian is the main character. So, you know, he's going to kick his butt. Right. So he's trying to he's like, oh, you knocked over my drink. And the Mandalorian doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. And the guys, you know, him and his friends try and corner him at the bar. And the bartender's like, listen, I'll just give you a free drink. It's not a big deal here. And of course, they don't want to take that. So they take a swing at the Mandalorian and obviously he puts them all down. One guy, he even cuts in half with a door. That's right. And mind you, this whole time he hasn't said anything. Now we get back to the blue guy, the blue fish guy. He walks over to the table and puts like a little screen on the table, you know, projection technology. And you see that he's wanted. It's a wanted token. And so he's like, oh, well, like you can have these these um, credits. Like I have more. I can give you more. And the Mandalorian's like, he doesn't say anything. He just says, you can go cold or you can go warm, which means you can, I can either kill you and take you in or you can come with me in my ship and not die. And so the guy obviously chooses to live because he's not stupid. Uh, and then for the rest of the episode, he's kind of just doing this bounty hunter thing. There is also a very um, pinnacle scene where after he gets collects the bounty and I say the bounty, but he's actually collecting tons of bounties like he just went out, called his people, came back and he goes to like this underground kind of place where there are all these other people who are also obviously Mandalorians even little tiny Mandalorian children and he just walks through there no one's talking you know the kids are laughing playing games but you know you have guys playing chess and stuff but the Mandalorian just walks through it and the entire scene there's obviously background music but there's no talking you're just seeing it you see his posture you see that this is a, a closed off maybe it's kind of underground uh encampment that they live in right and so the Mandalorian walks into this place and obviously he walks in and because of you know tangential knowledge you, you know he's in an armory or a forge rather than an armory and there's someone in there and they're doing their armory thing they're banging out metal and so he sits down he's standing you know she's like she, the person acknowledges him but doesn't say anything because you know they're working and so he waits until they come over to him they both sit down he gives them uh the credits that he uh, picked up from his bounty but then also he ended up meeting someone from the empire like the fleeting members of the empire and they give him this stuff called bizarre uh bizarre metal which is what's used to make mandalorian armor and so he has this this uh sheet of it he gives it to the person and then she speaks finally so maybe in the scene up until then like there was no talking for like five minutes 
until that moment because they didn't need talking. You don't need exposition. You don't need to know the foundry, uh, the worker's name. You don't even know the Mandalorian's name, really. And so that's what's great about it. It's that I know that this character is here. Do I need to know the whole backstory and the first time we meet them? No, I do not. That is good storytelling. I want to learn later. I want to learn from their relationship with the Mandalorian who they are. I don't want him to exposit all over me and tell me that this is the armor and they've been doing it for this many times. And even in the little bit of words they exchange with each other, you learn that um, the Mazark metal that he got, she melts it down and makes him a new piece of armor. But she also says this will make armor for a whole bunch of, um, you know, foundlings or like, you know, children in their society. He's like, oh, that's great. He's like, I used to be one. She's like, I remember. Boom. So much stuff was just in that one bit of line. You know, first of all, that children in a society, you know, they start getting armor when they're very small. Like this is a part of who they are, point blank. And mind you, he never takes off his helmet. And that's one of the key points. Like it, it just reinforces that he doesn't take off his helmet because it's a part of who he is. Like this is not just, he's not just a, a bounty hunter. This is a part of his culture and so oh it's just so good such good writing such good cinematics it's so good gosh you should watch it I, I i think you should watch it if you'd like to watch it you know you can find it uh google plus is available on playstations xboxes um probably any like smart blu-ray player you get or smart tv also so i think you should check it out if you want to yes but episode two is also good because literally <laughs> In that whole episode, maybe there's five minutes of talking. And, oh, I forgot. So in the end of the first episode, like, oh, my gosh. Right. So you get to the end of the episode and he's getting this new bounty that's worth um, that he got the Bizarre Medal for. And you get to the end and you find out that it's a baby Yoda. Oh, my God. Like, and the thing about it, you're like, oh, man, I think in the entirety of the um, canon franchise of Star Wars we've only ever seen one other of Yoda's species and I think it was a woman and so his species has men and women uh, but you know Yoda died at the end of A New Hope was it and he died uh, when he died he was 900 years old right because uh, when the Mandalorian gets the bounty they're like oh it's 50 years old he's like you only know that they're like yeah but then you see this teeny tiny little you know baby Yoda looking thing and he's like it's supposed to be 50 and he's like well you know some species age different so we know that yoda died when he was 900 so obviously they their infancy or childhood is much longer than your average you know human uh and the Mandalorian, you know takes him but like can i tell you like practical props oh my gosh like this doll or puppet uh whatever that they made so cute right and you know babies are meant to be cute because that makes us want to take care of them like it has these big eyes and these cute little you know yoda ears and it's like this much lighter shade of green right but like i guess it's like a it's like a no because plant oh i was gonna say a banana but like bananas go from green to yellow but it's just oh it's so cute and it has these tiny little hands and these big old eyes oh but like that's a big well what a cliffhanger right because baby yoda where does baby yoda come from we don't know anything about Yoda species. We don't know the planet they come from, but we do know that they have the propensity for being force sensitive. Um, Yoda is one of the greatest Jedi to ever live. And he was very, very capable uh, with the force, using the force. Um, and this rolls into episode two, which um, kicks off right at the same point. Um, you know, the Mandalorian uh, lost his mode of transportation. So he... Uh, is walking back right and so the baby Yoda is in this little floating crib thing so he's just keyed it to follow him 
uh, you know, and along the way back to his ship, he runs into trouble, but he puts them, you know, the, the troublemakers down really quick. He gets back to his ship and guess who's there? Jawas. Gosh, do we love and hate Jawas scavengers. So he, they've picked his ship almost entirely clean. So he chases them down. He disintegrates a few of them. And so now he's like, damn, he can't get off the, he can't get off the planet because his ship is stripped. So he goes to get help from, um, a guy who lives in the Valley who helped him when he originally got there. Uh, to track down the Yoda, baby Yoda bounty. And when he gets there, the guy's like, oh, well, we can go find the Jawas. He was like, I'm not going to go haggle with Jawas to get back stuff that's mine. He's like, they stole from me. And so, of course, they still end up going. Um, And the baby Yoda, while that he's having this conversation, is so cute because, you know, they're like these frogs that are hopping through the valley. And baby Yoda is like out of its crib and it's chasing the frogs, right? And you think it's, he's just playing with it. And he makes cute baby noises while he does it and you think he's just playing with the frogs um but then you know you cut back to the mandalorian and he's like i don't want to go hug with the jawas and the guy's like you have to and the mandalorian doesn't say anything and he cut you cut back to baby yoda and the frog is in his mouth and the mandalorian's like spit that out <laughs> and baby yoda just swallows it whole and he's like and then he burps and he's like yeah it's so cute oh my goodness um and along the way you know uh when they first are hiking back to the valley um after the fight he gets hurt and he's trying to uh you know do some first aid on himself the baby yoda keeps getting out of his crib right and like puts up his hands like he's gonna use the forest and the mandalorian keeps putting him back in his crib um and then when they finally meet the jawas again the jawas are like oh no we don't like that guy he has to get rid of his blaster and the guy he's like this is part of my religion i cannot and so he ends up putting it down and they talk and they're like well we'll trade you back all the stuff if you get us, um, if you give us your armor. And the guy's like, he's a Mandalorian. Like, he can't give you his arm, his bizarre armor. Like, that's not going to happen. And so they're like, well, he can get us the egg. And so they go and they get, um, he walks with the, the crib, right? He wants to keep the baby Yoda as close to him as possible because other bounty hunters might be there to try and get it. And so you find out that, like, the egg is, it belongs to, like, this big scary creature, which... Um, the Mandalorian fights and he fights down to like his last weapon, which is like this really like nothing uh, like boot knife. Right. Like the his gun is jammed with uh, mud and everything. And so he ends up he's like making this last stand with this knife. And then the baby Yoda is like, oh, no, the Mandalorian. So he sticks out his little hand and he closes his eyes and he floats this. It's like a big rhinoceros thing, but he floats it in the air so that it loses traction and can't run into the Mandalorian and then he like stabs it the the animal in the neck and it dies and so he doesn't die and then the baby yoda falls asleep right because using the forest is a lot of work when you're a baby so that's pretty much what happens in that episode and and mind you you notice i didn't say there was there was very minimal conversation because it was all it was all showing and not telling do i think this episode was a little lackluster because it was so short uh, i do because i think that this episode wouldn't would have been complete if he had gotten off planet and you know something else had happened but uh, he does get off the planet and he he offers to take the guy with him or give him part of the bounty but the guy from the valley is like no he's like i just wanted peace in my valley and you brought me that and i don't know it's just it, it was a really good episode i loved it i love baby yoda i think he's great i wish he could be a character in this movie but he can't even talk yet i mean this tv show but he can't even talk yet um but yes, if you haven't seen those first two episodes, you should, I think you should check them out. Um, if you're even tangentially a um, 
Star Wars fan or you're just interested, you I think it'd be a great idea if you would like to learn more about Star Wars or just follow a new storyline, right? Because I'm a little bit jaded with the whole Skywalker thing. I have my own whole like, you know, mind canon on like the story that is Star Wars. But we'll talk about that another time. Right now, we're going to get into the whole Disney Plus thing, right? I, and I'm going to tell you right now, like I'm, I'm ready to call shenanigans. Me personally, I feel like with streaming services, for me, I guess it's kind of like when cell phones came out or when PCs came out, right? I, I have a colleague who's older. He's like, I don't know, 68, 69, 70 maybe. And he's like, oh, you know, when, when computers first came out, I was like, oh, who would want a computer in their home? Funny, haha, right? Like we're all thinking everybody, everybody wants a computer in their home. And he just didn't believe it. He was like, why would someone want that? And so that's how I feel about live stream, about streaming services. So when Netflix first came out, even though when they first came out, they were doing DVDs, right? They, they were basically like a blockbuster that you didn't have to go to a store to, to get movies and fight with someone over the only two copies of that movie in the store. But when they started streaming stuff, a lot, a lot of people or a lot of, you know, um, other companies were like, oh, no, that's silly. People aren't going to want it. And I was like, now it's like live streaming is like the thing to do. And for me personally, like, I guess I get it, but not really. You know, it's like if you make Wonder Bread, make Wonder Bread. Don't be Wonder Bread and then see, you know, flying when pigs fly bakery make all these um brown breads then decide to make brown bread do what you do best i'm not saying diversification isn't like a great avenue to go down but what i am saying is that in this in this uh, one um category i think that it's a horrible idea for other companies to try and follow behind uh hulu or netflix that's silly because the thing is is that with hulu and netflix now they're starting to produce their own quote unquote original content but for the most part a lot of what they're supplying to people is other people's content and so for people or companies like cbs or disney or any other company that is in the business of making a movies or b television there there is almost no way that they are going to be able to supply enough content for someone to continuously play for their live streaming service and that, I think that's the biggest issue here is them wanting to get in on extra money because you know people aren't watching tv as much rather than saying hey let's change the format of how we do normal television right because me personally I'm never gonna give up on normal tv I mean I don't watch it that much but that's because they haven't really changed how normal tv happens in literally decades like since you know, we got past the whole three channels that only broadcast from like sun up to sun down. Since we got past that, TV and programming hasn't really changed at all. And so now you have live streaming, which is another level. And instead of them saying, hey, let's reassess how we do this so that normal television can compete with live streaming, they're just like, no, we're going to do live streaming. And my thing is, uh, you know, Netflix costs a little bit more uh, now for streaming than it did when it first came out right i think it went up a couple dollars um but for the most part it's worth it there are literally hundreds of thousands of things to watch on netflix uh and so it like i wanted to watch discovery right but it wasn't going to come on normal tv because i would have given up i would have watched normal tv every week like a sucker to see discovery which is a new start was the newest star trek iteration and 
they were like, no, it's going to be on our streaming service. And I'm like, why? What? To be honest, like I am already paying for Netflix and well, I don't pay for Hulu. I use someone else's Hulu account. Don't judge me, guys. But, you know, I'm already I already pay for Netflix and I have Hulu. So the thing is, like, I'm not going to pay, you know, the standard price, which, you know, I'm not going to pay the standard price for eight different streaming services because NBC and CBS and man, I was going to say UPN. UPN hasn't existed forever. And every other um, distribution company, whatever, wants to have their own streaming service. And for me, that's like throwing out the baby with the bathwater. It's like you want to make more money, but really you guys are all just splitting up people's money. The thing is, any normal person, even people who have money, you have to make a decision because having nine streaming service, um, having nine streaming service subscriptions is, is just Ooh, it's like seven too many, you know. So that's the the issue here is how for them best for how how is best for them to economize on live streaming that doesn't make it so difficult for me. I remember when I first um discovered Doctor Who, like on Netflix, they had all the Doctor Who's. They had classic Doctor Who and the new Doctor Who's. And so I was watching them on Netflix. I was like, oh, this is great, this is great. And one day I went back and it was gone. And I was thinking that maybe like their lease ran out. And the, I mean, the lease, I say lease, there's another name for it, guys, I forgot. But their lease on it had run out, but that's because the BBC didn't want to uh, renew it because they were going to start their own streaming service. And as as far as I'm concerned, you know what? Like for them, I'm like, okay, maybe that makes sense. Like it makes sense for the BBC to have their own streaming service in England because reasons, right? Like maybe not that many people watch Netflix, in, in England or whatever. But my biggest issue is that I'm from America. And the thing is, like, I'm not going to get BBC streaming service because I don't watch enough BBC productions to warrant spending the amount of money they want me to spend for the subscription. So why do I have to get screwed? Why can't you just lease them Doctor Who for America? Because they do have, um, you know, blocks. So it's like, oh, you can't watch this in your country. I remember I went on a trip to Portugal and I got there and they already had Happy and they already had uh, the newest season of Archer in Portugal. And I was like, why don't I have this in America? This is not fair. Oh, my gosh. And so they can um, block content from certain users. Like, it, it only gets released to them at a certain point. Um, because maybe in America, the Archer series was still running on TV. And so it couldn't be on the live streaming service. But that is not my problem, nor do I care. I just don't understand how, like, that best suits them making money in America because I really just want to watch Doctor Who. I'm not saying there aren't other um, BBC productions or British shows that I, I want to watch, but I can tell you that for the most part, I'm just looking for Doctor Who and that's what I want. And I'm not going to buy this entire, you know, bundle subscription service for one show. So they've just, they just lost out on some money they could have made because selfishness. And so with Disney Plus, I feel like it's the same thing because a lot of people, I was reading uh, the reviews when it first came out, and like most people, they only, you know, did the free trial or whatever or signed up because they want to see The Mandalorian. That's why I signed up. That's why I think everyone signed up. But on top of that, even though live streaming has been going on for like decades, you know, decades at this point, decades, a decade, maybe um, it's been going on for a long time. The Disney Plus live streaming uh, when it first came out, it sucked. I mean, it still sucks now, really, because I had a lot of like buffering issues it, it just couldn't figure out what it wanted to do. It was just, I couldn't log in. It, there were just so many problems. And I'm like, okay, but this has already been established. So trying to follow behind someone else and then doing a poor job makes you look silly, especially because Disney has so much money uh, to fix problems like that. And then on top of that, like their offerings are like more nostalgia, right? So there's like Darkwing Duck and obviously they have the other Star Wars movies in their catalog. And 
surprisingly, they don't have Star Wars, the Clone Wars series. They only have Star Wars, the Clone Wars movie, which I think is weird, but also entertaining. Um, but it, a lot of it's like they're nostalgia things. There's nothing interesting. There's nothing new to grab me except the Mandalorian. So again, here's them lacking in content that's going to want to make me keep paying for the subscription service past the end of the Mandalorian. Mind you, the Mandalorian's only going to be eight episodes. So we've already seen a fourth of that whole series. So the last episode, I think, comes out on December 22nd. So you have to know that I'm going to be canceling the subscription after I see that episode because there, there's nothing in the works for them. There's nothing. Oh, this is another show we're going to do. Oh, we're going to be doing this. So that's, they're just they're just they're just jumping on the live stream bandwagon and they're not even thinking it through. I just think that's bad business, you know, and the whole point of businesses is to make money. I was like, but you're not supplying me or meeting the demand that I have for content. <sighs> I just I just don't understand. I don't understand these people. But that's my rant, guys. The Mandalorian is amazingly written shots. It's interesting. It keeps you engaged uh, without bombarding you with unnecessary dialogue or information. And you can get into it even if you don't know uh, a lot of backstory for Star Wars. I mean, it helps if you know some things like a lot of people are familiar with Boba Fett and they know his armor, but a lot of people probably aren't aware of like Mandalore, right? That's the planet they're from. If you've ever seen Star Wars The Clone Wars, you know that in the context of that show, which I don't think they've said is canon, in the context of the show, Mandalore uh, was pacifist, right? But this is um, before uh, Anakin Skywalker is not Darth Vader yet. He's like getting there. Uh, and Mandalore is a pacifist society. Um, even though their roots are like the Mandalorian, they were a warrior race. But the person who is the queen or she like runs the, the country at this point, she's like, they were just warmongers. And that didn't get us anywhere. We were scarred and hurt as a as a planet, as a people. And we don't want to do that anymore. So they were pacifists. Uh, but you had a group of people called the Death Watch who were like, no, we should go back to being warriors. And that's where the Mandalorian kind of comes in. Like, that's the kind of society he was raised in. Um so you don't have to know everything. I mean, if you know some stuff about it, you, you you see the like Easter eggs and stuff like that in the show. But if you don't, it's a great way to like jump into it and learn and also just be entertained because that's that's a good uh, niche that Disney is filling is that, you know, we've all heard about Skywalkers and oh, Force Sensitives and Jedis and Siths and bleh. But like, you know, they're not the end all be all in the universe. There are the universe is infinite and there are probably hundreds of thousands of species out there. And so learning about the Mandalorians who are human or humanoid, uh, it's interesting. I like it. You know, they're kind of like a warrior's way kind of a, a species um, culture. That's why I mean, the Mandalorian guys, uh, the Mandalorian. So good. It's so good. Um, I think the next episode we're going to do, I think I'm going to talk about Green Lantern. So if you're hearing this and you have thoughts on Green Lantern, I'm also going to be talking about why no origin story and if they're going to do Green Lantern, if they're going to start with Hal Jordan. So um, if you guys want to let me know how you feel about the Mandalorian, how you feel about all these companies trying to jump on the, the live stream bandwagon or... I uh, just want to tell me uh, how you feel about Green Lantern and maybe his next appearance in the cinematic universe. You can send me an email at xbhunterlee at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message on Instagram. Just search xbhunterlee. Uh, uh, so, uh, in the meantime, in between time, guys, do it for the XP. Yeah.